Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. I think my proudest thing is that I got to design my life a little more than if I would have went into the corporate world. I mean, that was the most important thing to me. And I'd worked those jobs and I felt like it was being choked all day. I don't think I would have fit in to any other kind of lifestyle other than one that you don't have to do something that you don't want to do. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Glad to have you here. Hope you're having a great week. And I am very, very excited about my episode today, part two with Ron Bennington. Before I get started, please reach out to me at Barry Katz at Instagram or Twitter or wherever my social media is. Just press follow and I'd be glad to have you reach out to me any way you want. And I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Also, you can reach me at barrycats.com. And before I get started with part two, I just want to let you know something that I've shared with you before that continually resonates with me. And that's show me who you're with and I'll show you who you are. And when I think of Ron Bennington, this is a guy who's interviewed a who's who of the most extraordinary people in the entertainment business. I'm just going to list 20 names randomly to you. I have 200 in front of me. But just so you have it in front of you and you have in your brain the kind of people that respect this guy so much that they will go and sit across from him whenever he wants for an interview. In comedy, Mel Brooks, Ricky Gervais, Seth Rogen, Kevin Hart, outside comedy, Roger Daltrey, Spike Lee, Billy Bob Thornton, Willem Dafoe, Nick Cage, Quincy Jones, David Mamet, Smokey Robinson, 
and the late Anthony Bourdain. But this is also a guy who was rolling along on a juggernaut of a radio show called The Ron and Fez Show. And then, after 17 years, Fez retires. What do you do when you're on top and you're kicking ass and then 50% of your creative team leaves? Most people go away. Most people don't figure it out. Not Ron Bennington. He always tries to figure out a way to change the game. You can't invent every formula. He didn't invent radio. He didn't invent podcasting. He didn't invent the interview. But what he did was took the things that worked for him and his previous radio shows and brought on his daughter. And that was significant because what happened then was he became the only father-daughter radio show in the history of the medium, changing the game. And then what else does he do? He makes another bold choice. He decides to go back in the stand-up and back in the clubs and back on the road after a hiatus of almost two decades. And what happens? Embraced all over New York City, all over the country. Crowds come in droves to see him because he's doing something different. Didn't invent stand-up, but going back out with his own point of view. But what else does he do? He's created podcasts that changed the game. Unmasked. I did this show, one of the greatest experiences of my entire life in interviews. Live, in front of a responsive audience. Great interview. And then Ron Bennington Interviews, which is another series which is just truly spectacular. Everyone who sits down with Ron loves him. Everyone who hangs out with him loves him. I'm talking about people like Quentin Tarantino, Jeff Bridges, Iggy Pop, Sugar Ray Leonard. It doesn't matter. Relationships, work ethic, reinventing yourself, taking a hit, and coming back stronger. That's what Ron Bennington does. And I can guarantee you, if you can figure out a way to follow that example, you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Ron Bennington has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in showbiz and you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. When you see Sandler in all those great movies that we all sort of seen, and then he does Funny People, which is an incredible performance. Punch Drunk Love, incredible performance. Ben Stiller, all those great movies. And then Permanent Midnight or Jim Carrey, all those things where he's doing things a certain way and then eternal sunshine of spotless mind. 
are you that way in comedy too where if somebody's giving you something that you like and then they go off the path you're like oh man i know he was great in that but come on give me what i want well it is interesting because you can be wrong when you say give me what i want you know it could be the worst possible thing that you could say uh and you brought up some great i mean punch drunk love you can't wrap your head around that. It's so good. And it makes you think, well, what was he doing in like Happy Madison? Did I really not give him, you know, did I think, oh, here's a silly kid doing silly shit. This is funny. But was, was he working on a much different level than I've ever given him credit for? And have you ever known a, a, a person who... They have a great stand-up career. They go in and start making movies that the stand-up hasn't suffered. I'm going to say the only person I know that did movies and never suffered is Chris Rock. Right. And he hasn't had the same kind of movie career as the other people. That's right. About. It's not for sake of not trying. Yeah. As a film actor, he's doing everything that every other film actor is doing and so I'd say he's the only one I know off the top of my head that has never suffered. And when I watch Tambourine, the fact that you're tying in your relationship and relationships to a musical instrument that not one comedian in 30 years of me watching comedy has used the word or talked about a bit about the tambourine. <laughs> and tambourine is such a great word. It's so funny. What he did with tambourine, it seemed like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Remember the show Trading Places? or, sure. or Trading Spaces or whatever it was. Yeah. Trading Spaces. And the designer would come in and say, okay, what are we going to do with this room here? Okay. That lamp's going to be the inspiration for this room. And you're watching television, you're like, that little lamp there, that's the, what about everything? No, we're going to take that lamp and that's going to be the inspiration for the room. And then he builds the room. And for Chris, it felt like with Tambourine, he came up with a name and then he built the special around it. I'm going to think about this a lot, Barry, because that's, that's a very interesting thought to me. And I never really understood... The, the, I think the thing of trading spaces until you just hit it right there. I had no, There's another thing that those people just think in a way that other people don't think. I'm sure there's a nice lamp here. I won't be able to find it. I won't be able to do that. Um, what about Albert Brooks when you look at how great his stand-up was and then he did those great movies and yet they weren't successful on the level of any of the people that you brought up, but those things live forever, right? Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to BarryCats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. 
With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Yeah, well, Albert Brooks, I almost think he's in a different category. You know, you look at certain categories of comedians, and we all do, and maybe it's wrong of us to do that, but when we look at Chappelle, we think of the lane of race relations and the political undercurrent around those race relations in his world. When we think of Jim Gaffigan, we think of the Midwestern family man who's just trying to make it all work. When we think of Carrot Top, we think of, no matter what anybody wants to say about him, we think of jokes surrounding a prop to be the conduit in and out of the joke. So we look at the different lanes and Albert Brooks is in his own lane. I don't even know anybody, I can't even mention anybody that is in his category. Maybe I was going to say Woody Allen, but Albert Brooks wasn't really directing and didn't really want to get in that lane. Of oh, he things. was directing. But I'm talking films. about continuing on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think he's in the Woody Allen category, yeah. but not longevity-wise in that category. And I think it's because he didn't have the stomach for it, and he never got that that thing of somebody like they did with Woody. They go, just keep going. If you keep it at a small budget, we'll do it. And he would always have different companies that would support him as long as he kept the budget low. I think uh, I think Albert had to go out and fight to get every film made, and I think he got sick of that. You know, And quite frankly, I mean, the stuff that he left behind is pretty unbelievable. So, you know, I can't fight it. Now he's Nemo or whatever. I guess that's an easier way to live your life. But... Um, you know, I, I was thinking when you were talking about Impressionists, uh, uh, and we would brought up Attell. Attell took me to a place on Jay Moore where he said that Jay not only did this great impression that would come in, but it was like the perfect cool line from each movie. And that, but he put that, he just drizzled that into his Stand up, you know, no one would ever think of Jay as just an impressionist. And Jay, uh, I represented him for 25 years. I think he's one of the few guys who never has found his lane. He's like a jack of all trades. He can do everything well. He can be a radio host. He can be a panelist. He can do an hour stand up special. He could do an hour of impressions. He can write books. He can host game shows. He can host Last Comic Standing. He can do anything. But when you do everything well, sometimes you don't really focus on that one thing and that one lane that's going to make people remember who you are and put you up close to that Mount Rushmore of the people we've been talking about. Yeah, uh, but, you know, at the same time, there's nothing wrong with being Todd Rundgren, who can play all the instruments and produce and write and say, I mean, a life has to be as full as you want it to be. Did you see Eddie Murphy on um, Seinfeld's um, Cars? I haven't seen that one yet. He will be telling a story and just drop into a voice. And it reminds me of Jay, and it'll just kill you, but it's meant to push the story along. Um, but you can see, even though he hasn't done stand-up in all this time, it doesn't take him a lot of effort to get to that place where he's just 
gut punching Seinfeld in this car. You know what I mean? Just making Seinfeld fall out. Um, telling a couple of stories and dropping in a Sammy Davis Jr. or Michael Jackson. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, he's one of those guys that we talked about earlier, too, that just started great, you know? And yet, during it, he's talking about bombing in his very early days. We don't always get to see that. You know, we don't get to see when Chappelle didn't come out as strong as he wanted to in the early days. I think of Atal and I think of seeing him so many nights in the cellar when a joke didn't go right and he would take the top of the microphone and put his hand on it and he would turn it clockwise and say, let me turn this to funny. (laughs) (laughs) What a bizarre thought. Amazing. Yeah. I want to go way back and tell me where you grew up what the dynamic was economically, what your parents were like, and what was your first inspiration of getting into this business? Um, First of all, that's the best question that anybody has ever asked me because everything about where I come from uh, is is mainly what I do uh, from a creative point of view. My friends were kind of my inspirations. I had the funniest guys that I hung out with and I'm the only one who ever went on and did anything I grew up outside of Philly and if you ever watch the Rocky movies where everyone's telling him he can't do it that is the most dead-on thing of what it's like to live there everybody told you like you're an idiot if you had any kind of dreams so I, I never once had a dream other than I'm gonna hang out on the street corner and then when I get older I'm gonna hang out in the bar and we're just going to bust balls and we're just going to be funny. And that was my entire uh, kind of childhood. You know what I mean? Just guys being funny together. So how did you break out of you're never going to make it and you have no dreams that are going to make it? There literally had to be, I'd moved to Florida and there had to be a comedy club that opened like a half a mile from where I live or I never would have done. I never was a guy who thought, oh, I'll go to L.A. or New York. But never once occurred to me that was like being an idiot, having a pipe dream. Um, And, you know, when uh, when those things, when the comedy explosion went out into the suburbs around the country, it's the only reason that I got involved in comedy at all. I never would have done it. But I think there's something so forgotten about in that street corner lifestyle. It's so much like a comedy club. You know, you could see that the guys at the cellar tried to recreate that with the table, where the table got more important than the stage. Ron's talking about the famous table upstairs at the olive tree cafe above the comedy cellar which you see in a lot of documentaries where Esty, who runs the comedy cellar sits and holds court with the comedians that she deems worthy of being at the table and those guys would come in and and just have fun at that place and that's what i felt like my entire teen years uh were like and uh also those people uh shaped a lot about what kind of music I like, what kind of books I like. I mean, it would be stuff that we would also fight about, even though that we were all doing drugs and dealing and all. There was a there was a preciousness, I think, 
to that point of of what you like is 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 as important as what you are like you know what i mean but you moved to florida with no goals no my goal was to not work in a factory man my goal was to get out of that industrial type town and uh move down to florida and, and just hustle a little bit uh, which is what I did. And then... Uh, so you were dealing drugs down there? No, I already had my troubles by the time I moved to Florida. It was another reason to get out. Uh, and I'm not talking about dealing drugs like, you know, like a cartel. I'm talking about drugs like a neighborhood kid. You know what I mean? They, a lot of people put drug dealers down, but you got to get drugs out there. Or people are never going to do them. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to have that support system. And then, uh, like I said, when comedy went out to the suburbs, to the as far as it go in the suburbs, I just did an open mic and just went, oh, yeah. I, I also think it's really harder for somebody to do an open mic when they're legitimately funny first. I think if you're the kind of like comedy nerd who studies comedy, you're not going to take it as personal. But when you're a funny person and you're like, geez, how can I be funny up here with this microphone? Because it takes you years to get back to the kind of funny you were with your friends. Because you're mistakenly doing an impression of Carlin or Jerry Sun. You're doing an impression of a comedian when you first start. So, uh, but that's the only reason why I got into it. And then, you know, I got into starting to book and stuff like that out of the necessity of, hey, what if I could just make a living? And so doing you're doing this. that. So how does the first radio gig happen? The first radio gig, I'd started a, a comedy club of my own, which was basically partnering up at that point with a hotel you know, and calling it a comedy club, but it wasn't. It was, you know, an available space in a hotel. I never invested any money in anything. I only invested the hustle into it. But I used to take these uh, comedians down to this uh, radio station on a Friday. And people forget, before podcasting, I don't think comedians were that good on the radio. They didn't want to do their act. They were very, very tight. And the program director of that radio station said, look, come back next Friday. Don't bring the comedians. You are the guy <laughs> that interacts. You're having fun. They're stiffs. They're disrespectful. You come down. So I did that. And then he goes, why don't you come Thursday and Friday, you know? And they started adding days and, and I'm like, and I can promote my club. And they're like, yeah, yeah, promote your club. I never was thinking it before that. And, you know, before I know it, we're in there for like, uh, I'm, I'm in there all week. And I remember the numbers I used to do at this little club and it would be, you know, uh, the club I was running was like a weekend club and it would be like, 60, uh, you know, 60s on a Friday and 100 on a Saturday. And then one week, uh, I go in there on a Friday and the, there's the line wrapped around the door. And I go, what the hell's going on here? And it was because people were hearing it on the radio and I was a regular on the radio. And I'm like, shit, I'm, you know, I'm making a lot more money than I ever thought I was going to make. And then they came back and said, all right, 
we just we looked while you were hanging around we went to number one in men 18 to 34 we went and get you down to a deal and then i'm like no i don't want to do that you know just because it was the first leverage i actually the had power of no <laughs> yeah so i hit them with the power of no uh, and you know it, it took off that way and I, I, I kind of came in through a back door I, I, I hadn't been in love with radio up to that point I, I hadn't you know I listened to my own music I wasn't driven by music and, um, and that's how it all happened for me and you get that reputation in radio hey everybody let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success it's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey, everybody, and I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with AquaTrue. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount, a $100 discount, and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the air doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like but the air inside my house it feels heavy at times before I got this product and now it got rid of all the bad air in my house the dust the pet hair the pollen it just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home and for me when I got this product it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house and it's normally six hundred dollars and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see but for all of you listening today I can offer you $300 off $300 just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry that's airdoctorpro.com 
promo code Barry and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Yeah. Tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Could be anything. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks may be the single funniest person who has ever lived. I didn't. I never had the chance to meet him, but I've talked to him on the phone, and I definitely would love to sit down. And uh, talking to him on the phone was one of the, you know, just a, a pure highlight is everything that you want want it to be. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart may be my favorite experience I've ever had doing an Unmasked because uh, we're sitting with him, and I guess there was like 300 people or whatever, uh, but as I would... I felt that tension that he had when he would stammer, stammer a little bit and those long pauses. I could feel that tension in the room and then when he would drop the hammer after. <laughs> and um, I, uh, it was one of my great compliments of all time because after we were done, we just had a just a wonderful time. Uh, we go backstage and he goes, thank you for not jumping in during the pauses he goes you don't know how rare you know he goes Carson was great at letting me do my act he goes a lot of the late night shows and he mentioned a person's name but I won't say it's Jay Leno that <laughs> during that during that pause would dive in and you know be like yeah I know what you mean you know what I mean you just had to let him be himself and that straight man role is fantastic if you get a chance to play it Bill Cosby Cosby uh was a, a kind of a hero to me when I was a, a kid because he was from Philly and had gotten out. And that's always a big thing for people from that era of anybody who can get out is seen as a major success. He's also somebody that when I met him, it's one of the few people that I generally disliked uh, because of the way that he talked off stage and the way he tried to control stuff. I always say that he treated me like I was Theo. You know what I mean? And he was like, where, like you have this water and, and we had water set up and he goes, he wants bottled, he goes, where's the, I want a bottle of water and a glass and where's the bottle of water? And I literally said to him, a guy that I couldn't wait to meet, I go, Bill, I don't, ha I don't handle the fucking water here. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not the water guy. And he, he had also brought these rappers with him that were gonna do positive rap. And where's their chairs? These men, they're not going to stand. And I'm like, uh, again, we thought you were coming here. <laughs> not, I remember they, uh, you know, the whole thing is he was gonna have rap that was going to destroy gangster rap and be positive. Joan Rivers. One of my favorite people I've ever met. Uh, I think highly underrated as a comedian, um, truly, truly a comedic genius, truly driven, and to hang out with her was so unbelievable. And I, I remember there was, I'd asked her something about writing material, and she was well into her 80s, 
and uh, she opened up her purse and just pulled out these like little napkins that she had written stuff. First of all, why she doesn't have a notebook when she's got $150 million, but she was always jotting these little ideas down all the way up to the end. Just unbelievable. Louis C.K. The brilliant, the most brilliant uh, comic of his time. Probably, uh, and it's very interesting for me too to go back and watch the shows that he's not no longer with and see what they're missing or what they've done. And I'm deciding not to judge them too harshly, but I think that you can see um, that there's a lot of creativity uh, missing there. And, you know, whatever his troubles are and, you know, that stuff uh, needs to be, in my opinion, figured out from all the people who were involved. I don't know about if it's up to the mob to figure out what we should do. Um, but you can't take away um, the brilliance. And at Skankfest, he had went up right after me. And it was interesting to, th- to see and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's the guy. You know what I mean? We've forgotten because we're talk- we forgot because we're talking about all these other things. But he just went on stage and just was Louis C.K. again. Um, do you think he was a little overrated by the media for a while though and that's why the the uh, here's what i think it wasn't so much his work but any tweet that he put out or whatever was making headlines of you know louis just owned you know blah 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 you know and i think that that they were paying so much attention to him and they had given him so much love that the fall was farther than it probably needed to be the business takes you to the top of the mountain and pushes you off the mountain. Right. And then you walk back up the mountain. And that happens with everybody, you believe? Almost everybody. Obviously, an extreme case for him, but because you're so entrenched in music and comedy, I'm going to tell you another difference between music and comedy. Louis C.K. goes into a room does something that's bad in front of those women, really bad. And he's taken the task for it. A lot of people stop listening to the comedy albums. Shows are canceled. Meanwhile, Michael Jackson, a child, identifies his penis. My kids have never seen my penis. But a random child identifies... And he agrees that that's it. Yet nobody stops buying his music. And I can guarantee you if Michael Jackson was alive and did a tour tomorrow, he'd be in stadiums all over the world. And people would be rallying around his music and his words. But in comedy, you do something that I think even, and if I'm offending somebody, I don't mean to, even the women on that couch will admit that Michael Jackson, what he was accused of doing, was a much more higher level crime against humanity, even though what happened to them was a crime. And yet he could do anything. You you hear a Michael Jackson song on the radio, you're in it to this day. But a lot of people 
turned off Louis. Yeah, and I don't know how much of it was audience and how much of it was, you know, the industry. I mean, wherever he shows well, up. Like, well, like Kevin Spacey, he does bad things, shows canceled. Michael Jackson does bad things, the tour's selling out all over the world. Nobody seems to care about music and then when it happens in music, but in comedy they care. And I don't even have the answer as right. to why. Do you? No, I don't. I don't except for I think that we, that comedy doesn't have a nostalgia button and music does. You know what I mean? Like you don't hear a joke and remember your high school girlfriend. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you do that. You do that with music. And people are so defensive and about their high school music, no matter what it is, that's the music they love for the rest of their life. Maybe their college as well. But no one ever does that. Like we had the best TV shows or we had the best novels. We had the best novels in the 70s. No one holds on to it that way. Your proudest moment in show business. Wow, that's uh, that's one that I I hope uh, is tonight. <laughs> you know, I don't think um, I don't think I have a big rearview mirror for that kind of stuff. Um, There's not one thing that you look back on that you're like, I'll put that in a time capsule and let somebody open that up fifty years from now. No, I think my proudest thing is that I got to design my life a little more than if I would have went into the corporate world. I mean, that was the most important thing to me. And I'd worked those jobs and I felt like it was being choked all day. I don't think I would have fit in to any other kind of lifestyle other than one that you don't have to do something that you don't want to do, you know? Got it. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Wow. Again, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I would really say that my biggest regret is sometimes I let friendships end up in the past as well. I know when I run into people again, it's always great. There's only so many people that you could share things with. Um, I guess my biggest regret is that when I worked with Fez Watley, he had so many um, physical and mental problems, and we together couldn't fix them. Um, that has been, you know, heartbreaking. I still talk to him. Uh, we at least text every day. But I don't know whether you've ever been in a caretaking situation it brings out the best and worst in you and you tend to remember the worst. I wish I could have somehow figured out a better way to make that come together. And I, I hold myself responsible for a lot of it. Last question, <laughs> what advice do you have for the young person growing up in maybe not the most desirable environment, uh, hanging out with his friends, funny, but disjointed, not really having a direction, not really knowing where to go, and how to navigate through that point in your life and get to the moments through the journey to have the kind of amazing, extraordinary career that you have. Well, you know, we, we are doing this uh, Creeps with Kids tour, and this was Bobby Kelly's idea that somehow um, comedians are unique 
parents, uh, which when he first told me that I didn't agree with it, but I went around asking everybody and I found out it's fairly true that comedians have a tendency to talk to their children right from the beginning as if they're people and also understand that they don't, because of the life that comedians have had, they know what it's like when someone tries to mold a life for you and plan a life for you. Joseph Campbell had the best line ever, in my opinion, and that was follow your bliss. If you follow your bliss. I mean, me and you came into, you know, the kind of almost parallel comedy club stuff and there was an avenue one way for me, an avenue one way for you. There was another avenue for Brian Regan. There was another avenue for Jeff Garland. All those jobs, you know what I mean, are there. It isn't just being Bill Cosby, you know what I mean? You can, there's so many different avenues you can follow once you start to follow your bliss. Um, I hope you come out to one of the Creeps with Kids story. I think it's going to be really, really fun, too, man. I will, Ron. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. You're an amazing man and an inspiration to so many people, and everybody that sits with you has one of the greatest experiences of their life, and me included, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I enjoyed it. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. And uh, landing on JJAUS, August 10th, 2019, five stars. Heading reads engaging, powerful, so much great knowledge. And the comment reads, Barry, thank you for these powerful interviews with these amazing guests. Being in the biz and having moved to LA, it's challenging to sometimes know the truth. But after listening to most of your guests, it gives me the confidence and reassurance to know how this show business game works. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much, JJ Oss. Congratulations. You are a winner. And that wraps up our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I Killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKilledJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. 
and the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life and instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Randy and Jason Sklar. You create don't wait. That is your mantra through your life. You have the tools. The things that comedians can do that actors can't do is they can write a, a sketch and film it and put it up on YouTube. They can create a character and write for that character and film it. Put that on your Instagram and let that character be on your Instagram and like try and get it out there in the world. And then there's a collection of all that character doing a bunch of different things on your Instagram page so that if somebody was like, what do you do? Send them, your, send them a link to your Instagram page and they can look at all the things that you have put together and done. It's within you to get it done. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going for life is for the dreamers. They have never quite over till it all feels the same you pick your own poison dig your own grave down in the valley a fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.